You're listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned to hear the rest of your 3CR podcast. Asia-Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia-Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock. On Community Radio 3CR. What news of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist? Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. This Saturday, the 12th of March, you're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna, taking you through to 9.30 this morning. Uh, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. Yeah, that was a plug for Fight for Public Health Rally, so make sure you get along to that next Saturday at 12 o'clock at the State Library. And, of course, today there is the anti-war rally uh, kicking off in the city later today. We'll advertise those details later in the program. So coming up in the second part of the show, we speak to Gabriella Australia. Uh, We speak to the secretary of that organisation, Christine Lawrence, uh, about um, International Women's Day in the Philippines and some of the demands of the women's movement, the working women's movement in the Philippines. So that is coming up in the second part of the show. But first up, news from around the region. We're going to kick off in Pakistan again in relation to uh, this ongoing war between um, the Pakistani government and journalists. Uh, The Pakistan Federal Union of Journalists submitted a petition on February 22nd to Pakistan's High Court challenging the government's new Prevention of Electronic Crimes Act amendment ordinance. The union expressed its concern over the ordinance claiming that it's an effort by the government to muzzle the media. The petition further outlined the PFUJ's concern over the increasing criminalisation of free speech in Pakistan, which they claim the Prevention of Electronic Crimes Act law will contribute to. Moving now to Cambodia, a bit of a development in the Naga world um, dispute. And by the way, we will be bringing that feature story to you next week. It's taken us a while to get it, but um, I I will be interviewing actually the workers of Naga world uh, on Sunday night and uh, we'll have a translator so that um, they can, those workers can speak in their own words. But The update is this, authorities in Cambodia's capital Phnom Penh on Wednesday released around 200 workers detained a day earlier for violating COVID-19 protocols, in inverted commas, while demanding a resolution to their long-standing labour dispute, which had prompted condemnation from both the UN and from Washington. Naga World Casino workers told um, some local media that police carried out a violent crackdown on their strike on Tuesday and ferried them against their will to several quarantine facilities, allegedly to be tested for COVID. However, authorities released them on Wednesday after they refused to submit to the test without an official order. 
Chin Oksopia, a worker who was quarantined in a centre on the outskirts of the city, said she and her fellow strikers were told to walk home upon their release and were denied medical attention despite being roughed up by police the day before. Thousands of Naga World workers walked off their jobs in mid-December demanding higher wages and the reinstatement of 11 jailed union leaders and workers and 365 others they say were unjustly fired from the hotel and casino which is owned by a Hong Kong-based company believed to have connections to family members of Cambodian Prime Minister Hun Sen. Cambodian authorities have called the strike illegal and allege that it is supported by foreign donors as a plot to topple the government. But a series of mass arrests in recent weeks have been attributed to alleged violations of pandemic health regulations in Cambodia's capital. Activists said the charges were trumped up to break the strike. Of course, this is a long-standing dispute and we will get that feature story next week. Uh, an update on the Anganwadi workers. And of course, we brought you that feature story last week. I know that the audio was quite challenging to listen to, but a very important dispute. So the update is that thousands of these Anganwadi workers and helpers have been on strike since January 31. However, in the last week, they've began overnight protests outside the headquarters of the Women and Child Development Department and demanded immediate withdrawal of an order issued the week before, warning them of disciplinary action if they did not return to work. Several thousand workers have been holding daily protests outside the Chief Minister's office. There are about 10,700 Anganwadi centres and 20,000 Anganwadi workers and helpers in Delhi. The present monthly honorarium received by Anganwadi workers in Delhi is about 128 US dollars a month. Um, and the so strikers are demanding a monthly wage of 330 US dollars a month um, and uh, an additional sum for the helpers. That is that dispute. Moving now to New Zealand. In an extraordinary last-minute ruling on the 3rd of March, New Zealand's Employment Court banned a 24-hour nationwide strike by 10,000 healthcare workers that was to take place the following day and a second strike scheduled for the 18th of March. The court ruled in in favour of an injunction application by the District Health Board's which managed the country's public health system on behalf of the Labor Party-led government. Of course, this is uh, the untouchable and uh, supposedly progressive Jacinda Ardern. The court ruled in fa- uh, sorry in in Australia, tens of thousands of nurses in New South Wales participated in a strike last month in defiance of a ban by the State Industrial Relations Commission. In Sri Lanka, about 65,000 health workers also went on strike despite a court ban. The 10,000 allied health workers in New Zealand cover dozens of professions, including physiotherapists, pharmacists, dietitians, dental therapists, workers who sterilise medical equipment, laboratory workers, hundreds of workers responsible for processing COVID tests and contact tracers. The members of the Public Service Association, New Zealand's largest union, voted overwhelmingly to strike after rejecting a pay offer that did not even match inflation. The cost of living has risen by 5.9% in the past year, according to official figures. In justifying its ruling, the Employment Court pointed to the dire conditions in hospitals, saying it would not be safe to allow the strike to go ahead. It's also not safe to let people work under those conditions, but 
Moving on. The court also noted that um, facilitated bargaining is scheduled for next week between the PSA and the district health boards. So let's hope that these workers um, do continue their strike action in defiance of that court ruling. It's nine minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm going to go do some community announcements and then our feature story for the morning. Indigenous people in Australia in the Pacific have borne the brunt of nuclear testing and this was not done unconsciously. We found documents in the British archives saying that yes there is a certain hazards but only to primitive peoples, those that don't wear clothes and don't wash unlike us British. So the sort of racism inherent in this whole operation was known and understood from the beginning that these were the casualties of a larger imperial policy and that they were able to bear the brunt because there were very small populations and didn't have much political voice and as we fast forward to today we see that same thing. 3CR keeping you informed about Australia's nuclear past and present. At such a time it's important to have a voice like 3CR steady, constant, sane and committed to a nuclear free Australia. When I was new to Melbourne, I found a Food Not Bombs flyer on the road and I had like this feast with a carrot and carrots are my favourite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. Well, it is 11 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. We'll go to our feature story this morning, which is an interview with Christine Lawrence, the Secretary of Gabriella Australia, which is a um, Filipino expatriate organisation representing women. Um, uh, Filipino women are quite incredible in relation to their activities and their demands for International Women's Day. So a week after IWD, I thought I'd interview Christine about what uh, Filipino women got up to on the 8th of March. Uh, so let's start with um, here in Australia. So our Gabriella sisters, including me, joined the March 8th rally, the protest in solidarity with other women's organization. Um, and Ness, our chairperson, is one of the guest speakers. And she highlighted the issues back home, um, such as the extrajudicial killings by the Duterte fascist regime and trump up charges on women leaders in the Philippines and the lack of support by Australian government for the migrant women and children children fleeing domestic violence under temporary visas. Uh, she also highlighted that we condemn the militarization in the Philippines uh, and the imperialist war of aggression, and we stand with the women of Ukraine who are currently affected by the, the war. 
Um, and uh, International Women's Day in the Philippines is actually big. Um, they celebrated it um, within a month. So that's a couple of weeks um, through the whole month of March. Um, there are plays, presentation, and protest. And our Gabriela sisters in the Philippines also joined the uh, protest and uh, rally to create awareness and show support to other progressive women's movement. Uh, and some of the calls that they made were salary increase for workers, health working conditions, uh, healthy working conditions, especially for women. Uh, we know who are most vulnerable to abuse and assault in a patriarch system. Um, promotion of oil deregulation law. Um, and there is also an online strike against violence and objectification of women on Facebook. Um, some of the calls as well were fight against the price hike for fuel, food and commodities. Um, and there's also mobilization that uh, various advocates and express their support uh, for Gabriela Partilis for the women's agenda and the upcoming elections. Um, so during this protest, uh, we would like to highlight and we've highlighted that we seek justice and grieve for those 3,527 lives lost during the martial law. Uh, we fight in solidarity with those 70,000 incarcerated political prisoners and victims of red tagging and trump up charges uh, in the Philippines. We seek justice for 35,000 documented tortures from the current and past administrations and approximately 30,000 plus lives lost during the extrajudicial killing. And these are actual lives that was taken away from their families and loved ones because of senseless act of fascist and oppressive ruling class. Yeah, Dutetra certainly has a, a murderous regime in the Philippines at the moment. We'll talk about the elections later in this, um, in this discussion. I mean, you, you covered a lot of demands of the women's movement for International Women's Day. And I guess my next question is, what are the most important issues facing women workers in the Philippines at the moment? Uh, there's actually a few. So in a patriarch society, I guess um, the most important issue uh, that needs addressing is the increase of sexual assault, harassment and rape in the workplace which sometimes is unheard of because women choose to stay quiet so that they could keep their job. Uh, they need to work to eat and live and provide for their families. Um, and um, the gender pay gap as well, which hasn't moved in the last decade, almost uh, 20 to 40% gap between men and women's wage. Uh, and it depends which industry. We identify that the that there is a wider gap in the farming industry, retail and factory workers. Uh, and of course, since the start of 90s, there has been a trend that if you are working, if you are a working woman in the Philippines, it would be difficult for you to get the promotion of a full-time position, especially in retail industries and economic processing zones. Um, they hire women on contractual basis. Uh, because it is believed that women have monthly period or they'll get uh, pregnant in the future. So therefore, they will require more leave um, and absences. 
And that's actually happened to, because I have sisters. Um, it's a firsthand experience and uh, they would last for six months in a job. And then after that, they need to start looking for another one because they won't get a full time or some, sometimes the contract just ends um, and they're required to wear some uncomfortable clothings and high heels if they're working on a retail so that they would look and, um, you know, have a pleasing personality, um, sort of objectification of women. Um, and yeah, those are the couples of issue um, that women are facing at the moment in the Philippines. As a result of travel restrictions because of COVID, many Filipino workers have been stranded overseas, unable to get home. What can you tell us of the plight of Filipino migrant workers? Oh, well, um, being a grassroots organisation, we've um, seen um, some of the migrant workers who had, you know, difficulty living their lives, which almost affect their um, physical and mental health, um, particularly during COVID, because there's little or no support from the Philippine government um, during the pandemic. It's usually the organization and um, grassroots organization who work together uh, and uh, try to, you know, provide and help, some, um, give some support uh, to this worker. Some had lived through food packs, which are limited and sometimes not enough. Um, and it's been particularly tough um, for the Filipino workers during uh, the pandemic, because especially here in Australia, if, um, you know, they don't have the appropriate visas that would require them for uh, a payment or a center link then they're going to have to live for what, you know, what they have. And if they're off from work, then there's not much really income coming their way. Was, um, there, yeah. was there anything specific in place to support Filipino workers stranded in Australia? Well, I personally didn't hear any or know any help. What, what, I, what I heard um, during the pandemic is they uh, manifested a, a flight. They organized a flight back home which you need to pay the the plane ticket so i think they they thought that you know they just rather go home instead of uh, suffer here but most of the the filipino workers are here to um work and provide for their family so going home is not really an option but that's that that's the support that i've have heard so they organize a flight um, for the workers to go home. Um, there are Filipino-Australian organizations who helped out and donated food packs and other commodities for Filipino workers uh, and international students during the pandemic, and Gabriela and Migrante is one of them. Yeah, you do an amazing job supporting Filipino workers abroad. Let me yeah, ask you... you about the COVID situation in the Philippines. What's happening there? All right. So uh, there's a lot of debts. Most, um, most Filipinos had either had someone in the family or know someone died because of COVID. But 
there is also no reporting and statistics, valid statistics around it. So it's scary to know how much people suffer and died because of it. Uh, and there's no mass testing, which, you know, um, Gabriela has been calling for since the start of pandemic so that, you know, it, it's very important to do mass testing uh, to isolate and to limit the um, transmission, but there is no mass testing. And usually you can only ma uh, test yourself if you have the money and that, that will cost. So people really will just, you know, stay at home if they feel unwell or sometimes they would still need to go to work. Uh, so the transmission is very high. And the implementation that has been done was heavy-handed. And some of it did not come from medical experts. Um, they tried to um, send soldiers and police to um, monitor and restrict people's movement. Um, and they did some community quarantine. quarantine. Um, and there are more people who became impoverished due to losing their job and has been arrested due to going to work and just providing for their families. So there is a struggle to control the spread of COVID, which is a serious public health concern. Uh, and Philippines has the highest, second highest number of coronavirus cases in Southeast Asia. My God, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, COVID is the background um, issue for a lot of the current presidential or prime ministerial elections around the world and there will be a presidential election in the Philippines in May. Um, we know that Ferdinand Marcos Jr who goes by the name Bong Bong, he's a front runner. What does mm -hmm. this tell us about the despair in the working class in the Philippines that the former, the son of the former dictator of the country is a front runner of um of the election well for an activist like me it's very distressing and frustrating that the son of a dictator is running for presidential election it brings back all the barbarism and brutal past that the working class has and continued fighting against um it's frustrating that the past experiences has not taught any lessons for some Filipinos. And um, the, we're talking about the ruling class. These are family dynasty who have that uh, much amount of resources, unlimited resources to buy votes, to um, set up trolls, to set up fake news on social media, to get more votes. So it, it's really worrying. Um, but our comrades does not stop to expose all the evil acts of Marcos family and seek justice for people who lost their lives to fight against the oppression and unjust treatment of our fellow Filipinos. So uh, there are also an increasing number of Filipinos joining the armed struggle, uh, including women, because of this. Um, wow. And yeah, it's, it's like a, a wake up call. Well, equally alarming is that Sarah Dutetra, the daughter of President Dutetra, is running for vice president. What can we say about this? And what is the likelihood that um, uh, Marcos and Dutetra both win and then together they, they uh, control the regime in the Philippines? 
I can't really ascertain how the percentage or how high it is. Um, I don't want to be so negative, but I, you know, it could happen. Uh, it's obviously a political dynasty, and Duterte plans to continue the family interest within the politics and, uh, you know, just the authority itself. And he has long seen her, his daughter, as his successor, like uh, what happened in Davao. So after he resigned as a mayor, he, um, he passed the mayorship to Sarah. Uh, it's too early to say that she will continue the murderous regime, but uh, we are vigilant and we are watchful uh, as it could happen considering the history of his father's regime. And they're like, um, like sort of almost the evil team combined, uh, Marcos and Duterte. So Duterte is also using Marcos' popularity as a machination machination um, to win so Sarah would win the election um, so yeah it's, it's really worrying if that happens um, there could be you know another martial law which happened in Marcos era because they, they, their values are oppressive and um, more on fascist regimes and Gabriela's really um, worried but you know we're also there to, to protest and to create awareness about what's happening. Uh, and we educate people about the up, upcoming election. So will these elections likely be fair and free? What are election processes like in the Philippines? Uh, to say that it, you know, it will be fair and free is not really true because it will not be which has happened in the past. We have these machines that um, we use on elections to count the votes. Um, and You shade a paper and then you put it on the machine and then suddenly there is a blackout or something happened to the electricity and then, you know, the machine would stop. And there you know that, you know, the, the votes are rigged. It has happened in the past, so there is possibility that it could happen again. And uh, Marcos already used a lot of uh, resources, massive resources, to use trolls on Facebook. Um, they would create these um, accounts, fake accounts, to lure people um, to create fake news um, so that they would get the popularity uh, and it's never been fair anyways, because the resources used to campaign is from the ruling class and they're mostly bureaucrats. Um, so, you know, they vote buying. I personally experienced that, that you could have a, a, like a rice, a, a bag of rice uh, and some money if you vote for certain people. Uh, and it, it's rampant in the Philippines. Yeah, and intimidation is one too, especially on a family dynasty where people get killed. You know, if you have interest in politics or you're running against someone. Um, so votes are being rigged. Um, most of the commissioners in the COMELEC um, is also appointed by the current administration. Um, but Gabriela still participates so that we could represent the masses. We have won. Uh, 
uh, representation out of, you know, out of, I can't even count how many um, run for elections. Mm. But at, least, at least we have one that could represent uh, women and children. That was Christine Lawrence from Gabriella, Australia, talking about IWD in the Philippines. We are just about um, done with time for today's Asia-Pacific Currents, but I did want to announce today's anti-war rally. It's a rally called Peace in the Ukraine, Russia Out, NATO Out. It is organised by a coalition of people organised under the broad banner of IPAN. It's at um, the State Library of Victoria today at 12 o'clock, so get along to that. But that is all from me, Giselle Hanna, on today's Asia-Pacific Currents. Coming up next is Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.